You're listening to the Alex Wolf Podcast. Interesting conversations about innovation, economics, culture, and history for the independent thinkers and curious minds. I'm your host, Alex Wolf. Hi, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We are going to talk about how to create more space in your life which I think is the key to unbotheredness. Um, (laughs) And of course, we're going to get philosophical here. We're not just going to be talking about how to create space in your personal life and in your calendar, but we're also going to be talking about the philosophy and the perception of space and how knowing that and understanding that can help us do the day-to-day calendar lifestyle tweaks um, in a way that make them 10 times more meaningful, 10 times more successful, um, and just kind of hopefully interesting. Um, So some of the questions we're going to be asking is, what does physical space really do? Um, And what can you do with space in your own life to make it more meaningful? And of course, we're talking here physical space, internal space, We're talking about space all around, and I made this episode almost as a sister episode to my one about time um, and kind of redefining our understanding of time so that we have more time and and love it a little bit more. And so nothing is as deep as time and space, (laughs) so I wanted to make this sister episode about space. So what is space, right? Um... Obviously, it's not the easiest thing to define, and that's part of what defines it. It is sort of these immeasurable parts of life that can be um, physical space. We've definitely figured out ways to measure space um, as far as like outer space and spaces and distances between things. But for the most part, we know that space is super abundant and um, kind of intangible, right? And what's really important is that I talk about um, tech tech reification a lot, which is basically mistaking the map for the territory. A lot of us have a relationship with technology and with life that makes us confuse the clock with time um, and things like that. So it's basically an illusion to think that time and a clock are synonymous and we do the same thing when it comes to space when we try to measure space space is very vast and although we have ways to measure it understanding what it is and incorporating what it is outside of those measurements can give us a deeper relationship with it and when it comes to our tech advancements most of them especially in western tech philosophy which is kind of what I focus on Um, They're really about how do we make things faster, um, meaning how do we make something take less time, but it's not just about taking away time, it's also about getting rid of space, of distance, and that's very important (laughs) because those have been the two culprits, the two kind of beacons of inconvenience that we've been trying to eradicate out of Um, our lives is like, oh, this thing takes so much time. How can we invent something to make it quicker? Or this thing is so far away, this person, this resource, this uh, place is so far away. How can we make it so that I can get all the benefits of being in that place without actually having to go there? 
Or how can I build a mode of transportation that will consolidate both the time and the distance? Um, of course, I'm talking about like trains and airplanes, and we're going to be talking about that. So the m reason why I'm saying that is because we want to get rid of space. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. I think there's definitely merit in that. But I also think that chances are, if you're living in today's society, you've probably been using space all wrong. Wrong is a uh, lack for a better term. I don't really like to talk in terms of right or wrong. But what I basically mean is that space has been interpreted um, in Western philosophy as nothing, right? Um, for the most part, we don't really honor space it doesn't our western tech philosophy doesn't really understand or respect space and this of course means physical boundaries it can also mean psychological boundaries um but you know even in science even in you know especially a little bit more now they're starting to be more sensitive to space but you know what was so revolutionary about Einstein and a lot of the astronomers were that they had to be sensitive to space to understand what was happening. The issue, and of course that means outer space, but just space in general, okay? So I'm just letting you know, I am talking about every type of possible space. Um, and the reason why I say quote unquote wrong is not because it's wrong. If it's working for you, then great. But if you're in a place where you feel you know, just typically like overwhelmed from like all the demands of society and like what you are expected to navigate and just trying to have overall peace and fulfillment in your life, like many of us, then I think a breakdown of your relationship and our relationship to space can help clarify why that is. And again, a lot of our relationship to space has been adopted they are inherited opinions, inherited perspectives, inherited interpretations that stem from really, um, I would say, like just old Western tech philosophy. So I'll break this down. Again, for most of Western scientific history, space has been interpreted as synonymous to nothing. And what I mean is the idea has been if it looks like nothing, it must not be doing anything. So you can think about the air, right? A lot of people were not sensitive to the air. They're still not sensitive to the air um, because the air doesn't seem to be doing anything. Well, the air is actually providing <laughs> our ability to breathe, <laughs> our ability for all of our food to grow. And we know that, but sometimes, again, that sensitivity gets lost because the performance of space is that it is negative. When we hear negative, most of the time we've kind of been brainwashed to think negative means bad, but we know in the art world and beyond just like positive and negative, negative doesn't mean bad, it just means space, negative space, right? So the idea has been, you know, if there's space in my calendar, that means that you can just fill it on up, right? <laughs> or if I'm doing nothing today, then I'm doing something wrong, right? The idea of nothingness is taboo because, as you know, we're in a hustle bustle culture. It is expected that space is filled, all of the space. If there is any space, um, you know, 
it's it has to be filled. It's insulting for someone to tell you, you know, what did you you just sat at home all day and did nothing. You created all this space for nothing. Like, what are you doing? You need to fill that space up. And um, this is an unfortunate and self-destructive illusion because the Western eye is known for only seeing positives in an environment and positives are mean the presence of items, the presence of objects, okay? We have trained our eyes. We are liable to only see what is present in a negative space. If I ask you to look at a picture that has a white background and a black circle in it, and I ask, what is this picture of? You'll most likely say it's a picture of a circle. And, you, um, you know, but another way of looking at it could be, well, it's a wall with a black hole in it, right? Um, and there is a theory called Gestalt's theory. It's a theory of visual perception that embodies a few ideas about how humans see things, but the one most relevant to this conversation is the relationship between our eye and the positive figure and the negative background. The eye will separate whole figures from their background in order to understand what's being seen. And that interpretation, that type of perception, is how most of us see things, okay? Most of us see a black ball on a white paper. We are not trained to be sensitive to perhaps inverse the functions of how uh, the foreground and the background are interacting and say, hey, I see a, you know, a, a hole in a wall. Now, you're not better if you can see a hole in the wall, right? It's not what it's not about, you know, improving yourself. This is just about sensitivity and understanding really the function of space because because of so many western perceptions of space being negative and space being nothing, a lot of us think that nothing means nothing is happening. But the nothing is acting as the surface, as acting as the space for the something to happen. Why is this important? Why is this going to change your relationship to your schedule, your life? Well, because if you aren't actively creating space in your life, then you are going to get burned out and overwhelmed and shrivel up and because <laughs> you are disrupting the natural harmony that... Um, kind of gets expressed when space and negativity have their healthy back and forth, right? So, um, yeah, the problem is that depending on your sensitivity to space, your eye will only see the figure and ignore the background. And um, that nothing is proving the space for the background to be identified they have an, an interdependent relationship and you cannot have one without the other. So think of a book, right? Most people think the words are the most important part of a book, but you can also say the pages are equally as important because without the pages, you cannot see the words. So I, I'm, I'm 
pressing on this point because again, space is is providing space for everything to exist from your body to your plans to the planet. So, but here's the thing. And this is what I think is the most fascinating. Not only does it provide this canvas of, of negativity for all this activity to exist, but it's artfully spaced out in a way that you can actually enjoy the activity to begin with. And I'll give you a few examples. We'll start with the planets. If the planets were not spaced exactly where they were, we could be quickly fried up to a crisp or iced over like an ice age, right? There is a very special distance between us and the sun and that is what is keeping this environment livable for us and for everything else on the planet that also needs to be alive for us to be alive. So I would say space is a big deal. <laughs> I would say negativity is a big deal, that nothing is a big deal. Um, then, of course, we can move on to your body, right? If your bones and cells weren't spaced out in a specific way, you wouldn't be alive. You're, you know, if your mother didn't have a special space, the womb, which is literally space, right? <laughs> it's like a very special space that is maintained naturally on a monthly basis for us to exist. Um, if that, if there was no space there for your body to grow, you would not have formed, right? Um, and then we can take it to your life. Like I already mentioned, if you don't have space, what happens to you? You collapse. You burn out. If you don't make space, you distrust the nat you disrupt the natural harmony between space and activity, and you harm yourself. Western belief that the space doesn't do anything makes us want to fill it up pressures us to want to fill it up to the brim. I think it's okay to want to insert activity onto a negative canvas, but if you try to get rid of all of the negative canvas, all of the space, you're going to have some problems. It is natural for space to attract activity because that's what it's supposed to do. I'm sure you've heard what do they say? Universe abhors um, a vacuum, right? That whenever there's a void that, uh, you know, there will be activity. The void itself attracts activity. A hundred percent. That's not the argument here. The argument is if you don't leave any space, it will spin out of control. So we can take this to music. If there was no silence in a song, you wouldn't have a song. Rhythm, melody, all of these things, even sounds that sound consistent when slowed down are a back and forth of sound in silence, right? Sound waves, depending on how you're listening to them, if you're listening to them um, just kind of naturally, they're going to sound constant. But if you slow them down, you're going to hear whoom, 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 whoom. you're going to get the absence. OK, 
okay? The absence isn't everything, (laughs) y'all. The presence isn't everything and the absence isn't everything. This is the essence of what yin-yang energy is all about. The issue and what I've been speaking about with Western tech philosophy is that we've only been focused on this yang. We've identified yin as a problem. Yin is the black side. It's the um, passive side. It's the negative side. People got, again, brainwashed to think negative means bad. So we got to try to chop this bad part off of the universe. But it wasn't that it was bad. It was just that it was the canvas. It was the background. Okay, you need space for you to even have any of these things. And that's what's that's the big critique about Western ideology, period, and just kind of where we are right now. The big critique has been how much longer do you think ignoring space and void and absence do you you know how much longer do you think you can live like that because you need the space for the whole thing to work (laughs) um we can talk about space and film right what makes a powerful film what makes a compelling performance it is suspense (laughs) Suspense is all about the proper use of space. Storytelling is about the proper use of space. You think about pregnant pauses in per, in an actor's perform or performance or a speaker's performance. Let's take it to paintings. That one's simple. No canvas, no painting. <laughs> Let's take it a step further. Have you ever been to a gallery? What, is, what does a gallery look like? Is it filled to the brim with frills and bells and whistles? No, it's intentionally designed so that these paintings are within a big void, a big wall of negative space. Negative space is very much understood in the art world because art is about beauty, it's about um, emotion, it's about human connection, it's about composition, it's about pleasing the senses and particularly um, the eye. Okay, if you want to please the eye, you're not going to overwhelm it with activity, you're going to balance activity with negativity. That is why the gallery is looks like that. That is why it is lit like that. The lighting is always very particular in a gallery. It is literally this feast for your eyes. It's a spa. It's a place that says, oh, here we understand what negativity does. Here we understand space. And music too. All artists, it's not just painting, any art form they're going to be sensitive to space. So um, space gives meaning to activity on every scale. I don't care if it's your Google Calendar or the cosmos, okay? (laughs) The more sensitive we are to that, 
the more we will identify when something is being forced and filled with too much activity to a point that it's going to cause an unnecessary harm, unnecessary damage. I think a lot of this can change when we redefine negativity. Negativity is absence. Um, When we think about this wellness boom, all the stuff about sitting down and meditating, meditation is about negativity, not negative thoughts, right? Negativity, I'm trying to kind of retrain our brains when we hear negativity, not to think bad, doesn't mean bad. It means absence. Most, I think the, the reason why negativity and bad became synonymous is because most of us identify unknown things as bad things. That is the Western tech eye. The Western tech eye says, if I can't predict this with some type of r- reliable instrument and in scientific theory, That's bad. That's bad, (laughs) right? Therefore, negativity and bad are the same in people's minds. But with this context, you can say positivity can be bad, okay? A perfect example, if you get tested for a disease, positivity is bad. You don't want a positive result. Positivity means something is present that you don't want there to be. Do you understand what I'm saying? So presence can be bad. Activity can be bad. Activity is the opposite of the the negative, you know, um, negative activity, no activity. Sometimes the, the positive can be worse. It really just depends on what situation you're in. But it's not fair to be like, well, why, you know, um, to be like, oh, well, if something is is uh, negative, then it must be bad. You know, there's all that theory of like Malcolm X, his famous um, speech where he talks about, you know, why why are black cats bad luck? And why why is the, you know, the black side, the the ugly side and stuff like that? Well, again, a lot of the Western ideology was like, well, blackness is what you cannot see. Darkness is what you cannot see. There are traditions and societies and philosophies that honor that those that you cannot see, things that you cannot see, because they have a different relationship with the overarching intelligence of the universe to say, what I cannot see is not necessarily a threat. It is what is giving depth, space, meaning to everything I can see. Out of darkness, there is light. Hello. So the thing is, there was a group of people who were so afraid of dark that they decided to create all this technology in an attempt to control everything because they thought that if they can use the technology, they can light everything up. All the mysteries will open up. All the fears of the unknown will now be known. Well, joke's on them 
because it turns out you cannot outwit the, <laughs> the nature of the universe because it will actually, the more you try to light it up, the darker it will get on you. The darker it will get, okay? And again, the dark, darker doesn't mean bad. It just means the more you try to figure it out, the less you're going to know. Almost every philosopher has said that one. Um, so that's why I'm like, we have to kind of, we don't have to, but if we want to uh, use space in a effective way, in a positive way, haha, ir irony there, then um, you got to redefine what negativity is. You know, um, there's a tremendous power in absence, tremendous power in void, tremendous power in not knowing everything, <clears throat> you know, because Again, the other irony is that many, a lot of scientific thought, I feel like I'm always like dissing on scientists on my podcast. I'm not. I love y'all, right? And I understand that there's all different types of scientists in the world. But when I say scientific thought, I'm not even talking about scientists. I'm just talking about like the logic, logically possessed, ideologically possessed folks, which is most of us out there. Um... This search for meaning through scientific theory and experiment started so that because there was a belief that, well, if I know how everything works, then I will get a sense of fulfillment or happiness or, you know, I, I will I will reach some type of, you know, whatever nirvana bliss. Well, the irony is that the more we're figuring out, the more you over intellectualize, over analyze things the less you actually have uh, the capacity to have a romantic relationship with these things. Romantic, not meaning sexual, just overall romantic, allowing yourself to be charmed by the mystery of something. Do you really need to know everything about photosynthesis to appreciate plants growing out of the earth? You know, for me, I love how flowers just bloom. I don't, you know, that's enough for me. I, I just to see it and be in the presence. I understand that's not for everyone, but I'm just saying like, you don't get more, you know what I mean? You're not going to necessarily win at um, finding meaning when you are um, trying to, you know, again, over intellectualize things, over analyze things. So, um, yeah, that's, that's just something I feel really strongly about. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about how this gets invented in our tech philosophy, this relationship with space, this abandonment, this ne neglect of space, because like I mentioned, tech advancements are not just about getting rid of time. It's also about getting rid of the space. And as I mentioned before, I do have an episode on time about, um, how inventions like the clock and the minute and the second um, have robbed us of a spatial relationship with time. Uh, so please feel free to check that out. Um, anyway, so space was, of course, a big inconvenience for people for most of human history, especially for 
a lot of Westerners who were hell-bent on exploring the world to find all the natural resources so they can better trade and they could better figure out what land was worth conquering. And people used to have to travel really far spaces uh, to get access to certain things, like really far. Um, and it wasn't obviously the same as today because uh, the technology wasn't built. We put so much energy into building ships, um, and not just ships, but what comes with ships is advancements in ocean maps, being able to successfully navigate the sea. Um, a lot of meteorology was invented at that time, knowing how to predict the weather. It's not enough to just build a ship. There's a whole ecosystem of inventions and technologies that have to support you get in the ship there because <laughs> it's not simple. It's actually crazy history when you when you um, check it out. So, you know, of course, we started off with that. We tried to travel by water. Then we put a lot of energy into trains, getting people, you know, getting people and getting goods across vast spaces of land. Then, of course, we started building cars, um, and eventually airplanes. Like we are just very, very ambitious about how do we shorten distances. And as each of those technologies made distance shorter and space shorter, um, the cultures in these places started to merge more and more into one. Um, and Alan Watts talks about how when he was younger, you know, he would travel the world and he says something like, you know, traveling to Japan really, really felt like a different place. And mind you, he's saying this in like the 60s, 70s. And he's like, you know, now you can see how the shorter distance that has been created through the technologies, meaning, you know, what once took 10 hours might now take five hours when you are cutting that time and when you are cutting that distance, um, it, the, the, those two ends of what is distant from each other start to merge as one. Um, and if he was saying that then, like I can only imagine how much everything is the same place now. Actually, you know what, I'm thinking about it. Steve Jobs also had a similar um, thought in his biography. He talked, and it's funny because Alan Watts and Steve Jobs both love um, like ancient Eastern philosophy. <laughs> so he said the same thing. I wanna say he said it about Japan as well or some part of Asia. He says like, he, he it, what, what was beautiful about the Steve Jobs quote is because he knew he was responsible for some of that. I think he might've been talking about how the internet was causing that, which is obviously what I'm gonna go into next. Um, and I'm not dissing transportation I enjoy transportation so much. Like, I love the New York City subway. I love trains. I love planes. Um, I think they're very beautiful. They're, I think they can be built very beautifully, especially early editions of planes. Literally can make me cry. Um, this is not about having a beef with transportation. This is just about asking questions about what eradicating distance between two places really does to people and to those cultures and to those places and what it's doing today. Because 
at this point, you don't need to hop on a plane to travel um, as much because the internet has made it so that we can all use this to feel like we're somewhat next to each other. And some futurists have even theorized that in the future, we will use virtual proximity to form governments and cities and discard physical space, which I think is very interesting. What do y'all think about that? Because that's kind of (laughs) creepy. Because, of course, what's going to get asked right after that is, well, what is physical space good for? Because if if you're applying this, this Western eye, you know, Is it as pointless as we have made it seem? As we have implied through these inventions, we've built around it, through it, kind of forcefully um, breaking space. Um, and, And has space been nothing but an inconvenience this entire time? Because obviously these questions aren't black and white. Like obviously space geographical space was providing something um and so yeah or you know was there some kind of natural function around space that was keeping a balance or harmony of energies we might not have been sensitive to um I think about that a lot because some people believe in like sacred spaces some people are the opposite of that and they think you know it shouldn't matter where you are then there's people who are like well you know this space was where you know people drop down from heaven or you know they have religious beliefs around space so it's just very interesting because again in this in this eye that we have about you know what space is and this neglect and ignorance that we have of space um those questions don't even get to a, a chance to be asked, I think, in, in pop culture because <laughs> we don't make any space for them. There's there's uh, too much activity going on. Also, you know what's been funny? Everyone's been talking. I don't know if you saw that meme that was like um, talking about Clubhouse and it was like typical Clubhouse user. It's a pretty old meme. And they're like, yeah, you know, I just wanted to create space because I've been wanting to create spaces for people because, you know, creating spaces is so important. And it's funny because space has been like this kind of pop culture term we're using like I just want to create space and I think it's cool and I think it's a byproduct of how much space we don't have (laughs) or haven't been making you know to a point that it's like now this cliche to like talk about making space for people um to have conversations so it's kind of funny I still don't think that saying those things means you're actually making space um you know, but where there's smoke, there's fire. So hopefully, you know, through the intention, ultimately there will be more space. So, um, yeah, anyway, I was asking these questions because our relationship with, um, space right now is pretty barbaric. Again, space is the air we breathe. Space is the homes we live in. There are, more than one like Taoist kind of like quotes or proverbs that talk about, you know, a cup is not the actual um, presence of the cup. It's the absence. It's the space that the cup creates for the liquid. And it's the same thing with your home. 
your home is is um an intentional negative space negative obviously not mean being bad negative just like it's space (laughs) you need it it's here if you ignore it if you don't understand it if you don't honor it if you disrespect it if you can't see it you know it's not that the negativity is better we know this it balances the positivity if you bal- if you overindulge in one side then you're going to have damage but if you're sensitive to both sides you're going to have balance harmony i had an episode where i talked about how um you know people are kind of afraid to explore sadness and anger and grief and ne- you know uh, negative emotions right? (laughs) They're sad to explore them because they think they are doing something wrong. Again, negative equals wrong and negative equals bad in this culture. And so what really creates sickness is not that you feel anger or sadness or grief. It is that you don't give yourself the space to feel it because if you don't give this yourself the space, then it's kind of like it's kind of like holding in a sneeze. And apparently, like the pressure of holding in a sneeze in your body is like it could like it's a lot of pressure. I forget they think I think they say it can like um make something explode. Not in your body. Don't Google this. I'm just saying that like it's the same kind of like it's a ricochet. If you're not gonna release it, then it it'll ricochet. And then you got real problems. And that's all I've been saying over and over again with different, on a different scale, right? I'm saying, okay, if we don't explore our negative emotions, if we don't explore that side, then we got real problems. If y'all don't want to um, create space in technology, then we got real problems. If y'all don't want to talk about the feminine influence for technology, then we got real problems. You know, you got to acknowledge yin. And you cannot outwit yin. You cannot say, oh, well, you know, yeah, yin is cool, but we're going to just, we're yin is dark, yang is light, right? So we're just going to, we're going to still give a little bit more, more love to light. You can't give more love to light without the darker side getting darker. There's a great um, Alan Watts bit where he's like, what does he say? He says, um, you know, it's it's a great little like typical every person story. So he's like, say you want to increase your salary five thousand um, dollars for the year, and you know that's just the one thing you want. So then you get it, and then for a minute you feel temporarily elevated, and then the next thing you know, you start having other fears like, oh well, you know, what if I get sick, or what if I, you know. Uh, something terrible happens and I lose everything, right? And basically, he, <laughs> he says how the pursuit of too much elevation means that you are creating a deeper depth of, of fear, right? Not to say it's not worth exploring, but to just know every step you create a level higher, you're going to also create a step lo- level lower, And, you know, 
zen and eastern philosophy none of this is about oh well you know because that's the case just stay in the middle it's it's actually some of it is like explore it and have fun going up and down the stairs um but he says you know for every for every um yang that you make bigger a bigger yin will form (laughs) you cannot outwit that so and again yin is not bad it doesn't mean oh for every good thing there's a bad that's not what i'm saying yin is dark it's unknown it's absence there are you know there there will be more unknowns and there's merit there's great power in not knowing everything that's the point that is the point of the space and that is why allowing space gives you a chance to listen to to experience the activity of nature to experience the activity of your intuition to experience the activity of other people in your environment um so yeah so i'm saying all that hopefully this has been clear (laughs) and I didn't freak you out Um, but if I did all good as well Um, yeah for a long time space has been perceived as nothing because it is on the negative spectrum of reality it is absence and in many ways it is nothing but we've all been fooled into thinking nothing isn't doing something But nothing is allowing every something to happen. Space is allowing every activity to happen. So the next time you are freaked out about what is absent, the next time you are freaked out about what is unknown, in the words of my fave, Alan Watts, don't be silly, you're worrying about nothing. All right. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. Looking forward to um, getting your messages, getting your tweets, keeping the conversation going, making space. We're making spaces, y'all, to have this conversation. And thanks for your time. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Alex Wolf podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And if you aren't already, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For more resources on innovation, economics, and culture, visit alexwolf.co slash newsletter and sign up for my email list. Thanks.